Good stuff. All across our land today, folks are probably in church somewhere, and probably the majority of them have come to hopefully receive something from the Lord, and that's not a bad thing. We need various things from God all the time. But this morning, maybe here at this church today, let's look at it more like, God, what can I give you today? I saw Adam put this um, altar up the other day with the teen service that they had. Um, It just gave me a thought and an idea. So tonight, or this morning, my message is, God, what do I have of any worth to give you, to give you today, God? It's interesting that a lot of Tim's music, which I haven't seen Tim talk to Tim, a lot of it was on offering. And and so, um, actually, I didn't even know Adam was going to do his little thing on offering And I'm not just talking about money, hardly at all money. So as we go through this service, I pray that the Spirit of God runs through your heart and shows you and tells you what you can bring to God this morning. And my prayer all week was, God, what do I have of any worth for you? You are so awesome. What do I have, God? Second Samuel 24, 20, starting with verse 20. Second Samuel 24, starting with verse 20. Follow here by the name of Arana. And Arana looked and saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Arana went out and bowed himself before the king on his face upon the ground. And Arana said, Wherefore is my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor off of thee, to build an altar unto the Lord, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Arana said unto David, Let my lord the king take, take an offering. Take whatever you want, he says. Take and offer up what seemeth good unto you. Behold, here's the oxen for burnt sacrifice, the threshing instruments, and other instruments of the oxen for wood. Anything you want, king. I'm just overwhelmed that you're here. Here are the oxen. Here the wood and the instruments, everything that you need to bring this offering unto the Lord. All these things did Arana as a king give unto the king. And Arana said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. Everything you need for this offering, Arana said to King David, is yours. It's yours. So I'm sure you you can understand exactly what's going on. Those guys overwhelmed, this Arana, absolutely overwhelmed that the king, the king not only is in his neighborhood, but he sees the king coming to him. And the king makes this 
offer. I mean, it's just like the, the president. That if he was coming to your store or something, you wouldn't charge him. If he wanted a dairy queen, you'd give whatever he wants. Just here, here's the president, here's the king, here's this great roller. Everything you want is yours. Everything you need. But David's response is overwhelming. Totally overwhelming. And the king said unto Arana, No, he said, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which does cost me nothing. David said, No. No, sir. David said, If you supply me the oxen, if you supply me the instruments, if you supply me the wood, and it didn't cost me anything, there's no labor in it, nothing of sacrifice, nothing that I can offer up as a free will offering to God, then it absolutely is worthless. David didn't want anything to do with it. Now, Arana was just doing a great gesture to to, um, bless his king. But David's response is overwhelming. He said, oh my gosh, no, no, I'm not going to offer up nothing to my Lord that doesn't cost me. So David bought the threshing floor from the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. He said, I want, I want this. I will uh, pay for it. I will cost, I will pay the cost of the price to have this. And I can uh, remember that even as a little boy, there'd be a, a season where, um, I think it was called Lent, and you would you would give up something uh, for X amount of days. I don't quite remember all the days, and 30 or 40 days. And, and, and even when I was young or even when I was a little older, I would give up something that I didn't like. I would give up something that I could care less about. Like I could give up beans. I mean, I still give up beans. For 60 years now, I've given them up. So it cost me absolutely nothing. So it wasn't moving to my God at all. Nothing at all. And David said, I will not do this. I will pay for this threshing floor. I will pay for those oxen. It will cost me. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. David knew, he absolutely knew that it would not be a gift if it didn't come from him, something that cost him. It would not be a gift or a sacrifice unto the Lord. Kind of like Christmas, you know, if you go through your house and give stuff that's already yours away, it didn't cost you, you didn't go out and look for it, you didn't pay the price for it, and you gave it to the person that not, just doesn't have the same love or effort behind it. And David knew that. David didn't look, listen, listen, this is almost what we do in Christianity today. David didn't look for the cheapest way to please God. He said, oh no, 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 thank you for your offer. But I will pay the price for the offering that I'm going to make to the Lord. And so I started looking at this. Actually, this message is still coming from that song about the alabaster jar, where I'm pouring out my love to you, God, where I'm pouring out and I can't get by that. God keeps bringing this back to us, or at least to me, and I'm assuming by the Spirit of God and how God has always worked through me through the years, is it's also then for you. And so here I am again with the same thought and the same idea, saying, God, what do I, what do a little insignificant me, what do I have to offer you, God? What do I have to offer you? 
And then I remembered the wise men. Remember the wise men? It says, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, T-H-E-I-R, their treasures, something that they owned, something that was valuable to them, they brought their treasures, they presented unto him gifts. And we know that they were gold and frankincense and myrrh. It was as they, they instinctively knew that they had to bring an offering, something that was costly to them, something that was theirs, to give to the king, something of worth. And again, I say, God, what, what do I have of any worth to give to you, to lay on the offering to you? And then here's this next example I saw in the Word of God about giving. And it's this person is only known as the lad. That's it. It's all the recognition he gets. It's simply called the lad. John 6, starting in verse 5, it says, And when Jesus had lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto him, Philip, whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he knew what he would do. That's a very big key there. Do you understand God does prove you? Do you see that in the Word of God? God proves you, tests you, however you want to say it. He does it. He absolutely does it. Because he said to Philip, here's this group. This is God Almighty. The Lord himself sees this group and he wants to feed them. And God knows he has the ability to change monitors in the bread, fake flowers in the bread, whatever he wants to do, he could feed them. But he talks to those who are supposed to know him intimately, those who are uh, pupils, disciples, followers of Christ. And he says to you, Timothy and Carol, how should we feed them? Looking for a response, oh God, you can do anything and everything. You are awesome. You are God. Test and to, to prove them. And so he says for himself, he knew what he would do. Philip answered and said, I don't, I don't know, we have 200 penny worth of bread. It's not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. Immediately he started looking to his, his own means, his own uh, ability, his own what it had actually no worth, not enough money, two, two penny worth. It's, it's all we got, God. To give. Maybe you're doing that now. What do I have of any worth to give God? One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, Hey, there's a lad. And that's how he's known. And that's the only way he's known in Scripture. He says, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? And so this, this lad, I mean, you understand, uh, this word lad means a real young person. And normally they're not very giving, it's just mind me, but he had to give this. This was his lunch or meal or dinner for the day. I, have, I don't know how uh, many meals it was, but it wasn't very much. And he gave it to the Lord. And even the adults are saying it's not much among so many. It's not worth much. Among so many. 
reminds me of my grandson Isaac uh, a few months ago. And I can't remember if it was the first restoration or the second restoration. It might have been the, the first one. And, you know, those things was an adventure for us. And we were out there eyeball deep with money. And they were encouraging me to go before the church and take up an offering and something that we hardly ever, ever do like that. And, and so we did it. And the offering was absolutely fantastic. But while they were out there counting the money and Adam and I were wondering what happened, then the story came back to me with, with Isaac because Isaac brought his nickel for the restoration. It meant something to him. And he put his nickel in the offering for the for the restoration. And it's kind of like that was probably everything. And so today as the the Spirit of God and I'm and I'm trusting, I already know what God wants for me. I already know what God wants me to place on this altar. Now, there could be a billion things, but I believe God just wrapped this thing down into two for me. And do you understand, by when that time comes, you have to lay, whether it's a husband-to-be or a, a husband or a wife or a child or, or your dreams, whatever it is, whatever you're going to lay down, it's in total trust to God as you lay it on the altar of God. And like I said, maybe all over our country, people are there to, to get a healing and to get a financial blessing and for God to answer this prayer and for God to do that. But this morning, I want, I want to give God something. And it's up to God to tap you on your heart to tell you what he wants from you. And our altar call is going to be, we're going to give that. And this is just a little type of laying it on the fire. And then I'm still going back to the alabaster jar. Again, the, the scripture in Mark 14, 3, and being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, he sat at meat. There came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spike. They're very precious, which means very costly, very costly. God could ask you something and most definitely probably will ask you something very costly. And if you're thinking a hundred dollars, you've already missed the entire point this morning. And there were some that had indignation with themselves and said, why is she wasting all this ointment, all this precious ointment? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. Now, I've told you this before, but a pence was a day's wages. A day's wages, okay? And at that time, it was 17 cents. It was 17 cents. And it's saying it could have been sold for more than 300 pence. So that means that this ointment that she willingly 
broke and used totally was equal to 300 days of work. That's what she laid. She broke and put on her Lord. And if you do that math real fast, that comes up to $51, which was 300 days of wages back then. And if Ruth came home and told me she broke the alabaster box over this one who's supposed to be the Messiah, I believe he's the Messiah. And I said, you, you would what? You what? Don't you understand what that cost me? I'm afraid that would be my reply. But I'm almost positive he's the Messiah. And that's what he wanted from me. The alabaster. And so I ask you again this morning, or I'm asking God, God, what, what do I have of any worth? A 1998 Ford truck? You see how silly that kind of stuff? You know, and been ministering for a number of years and have gone to a lot of homes where um, they get the report from the doctor and it's bad, it's horrible, and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes then I'll go home and I'll just sit on my couch and, and I'm alone at night and I just look around and you see the that wreath over there and those flower arrangements over there and the tables over there and, you know, the various things. It's not bad. And just look and all of a sudden they are what? They're meaningless. They're nothing. So I'm saying, God, what? What do I have any worth to give you today? In Mark 12, and I believe the Lord will do this uh, this morning. Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which made which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow, which has cast which hath cast more in than all, which have cast into the treasury. For they all did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all. Her living. This is not a money offering thing I'm talking about. But here's what I find very interesting about this. That Jesus sat against the treasury and beheld how much money they put in. He watches our offering. That which goes by the plate and that which, which is go- you're going to do here. He watches how much your heart's into it. If it's kind of into it or into it. He notices. He watches. He sees us day in and day out. That's amazing. In Deuteronomy 8, it says this. 
And all the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do, that you may live. Now, that should be enough to make you listen. And multiply. And go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. He says, And thou shalt remember all the ways which who? The Lord thy God led these forty years in the wilderness. And God says, This is what I did. All these years you've been serving me. Everything that you've walked through and had to go through, it was of my hand. For these reasons, to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thy heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no, it says. Now we know that God's all-knowing. So he knows what Lenny's going to do, but Lenny doesn't know. And so God brings him to places and moves him in situations to prove him and to humble him to see if no matter what, he won't run on God or to see what's really in him and think, oh, God, help me. This is what the hand of God does to us. 1 Peter 1.7 says that the trial of your faith, your faith is to be tried and tested. Great faith, great trials, great testings. And so Peter says, listen, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, No, I haven't looked what gold was worth, but it was over $900 an ounce the last I looked. And God is saying that the trial of your faith is much more precious than gold. An ounce. An ounce. Nine-hundred-some dollars. He goes, though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. God says this, it's a a trial. means it's a proving, a testing, testing grounds, a, a proving grounds to see how you do under the pressure, under the heat of serving me and living for me. When all looks wrong, When everything seems to be dying around you, how are you going to do? Fiery trial. New Living Translation says, These trials are only to test your faith, to show that it is strong and pure, your faith. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. So if your faith remains strong after being tried by fiery trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world, though it be tested with fire. We think, oh man, that can't be God. God, what do I have of any worth? Hot trials. 
extremely wary. Pressure cookers. Trials. that might keep you up at night going, God, what's going to happen? See, God's not going to ask of me baked beans. He's my God. He knows me in and out. He knows that's not a sacrifice. He knows that's not going to try, try my faith in Him and trust Him. And so God calls Abraham. Abraham! And Abraham answers, Here I am. And I hope that you answer God this morning. I hope that you have not already told God, Get out. Leave me alone. Don't touch that in my life. I will not. Whether it's a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a job, I don't know. It came to pass that after these things, God did tempt Abraham. That means prove and test. And said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. God had built Abraham slowly, piece by piece, year after year. Abraham was trusting God more and more into a man of faith. Oh, God wouldn't ask that of me, would he? Verse 2, and he says, Take now thy son, thy only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into a land of Morai. And offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell of thee. What? What, God? What? I have a very difficult time thinking Abraham went, sure. Although the Bible even tells us that he responded immediately, he got up the next day. But I have a difficult time, Bruce, thinking he just went, okay. I think he had to go, what? And at night, what? What, God? Put what? What on the altar? What did you say? But I love Isaac. You told me, God, you made the promise. Maybe there's a promise God wants you to put on it. Maybe you've made your promise God instead of God. God, what do I have of any worth? Would you ask Him that this morning? Would you ask God that? God, what do I have? Do you trust him that much? So this is only fake, but it gives you the idea. You know, once you put that on there, there isn't any taking it back. 
going to be consumed unto God as a burnt offering. Your plans, your dreams, Listen, this wasn't a test to produce faith in Abraham. No, no, no. Mm -mm, It wasn't. It was a test to reveal his faith. Not to prove it, but to reveal it. Will you? Will you at all recall? The only way you can reveal your faith is when God reaches down inside where no one else knows and says, Bruce, that's what I want on that altar. To reveal his faith. Not to prove it. To reveal it. No. No. Not that. We're to say, God yours. Abraham had to learn the difference between trusting the promise or trusting the promiser. If God said to Bruce, I promise you, Bruce, but give it to me. He's holding the promise. Looking at the promise. It's to reveal your faith. Not to prove it. You've been walking this walk. And if you're still... No. Then you're still measuring your offering. Like me. And you're not giving it all to God. The Bible says Abraham rose early. It's not the slightest hint of hesitation. But I'm sure he didn't sleep that night. What? He had already given up Ishmael. Already sent Ishmael out. And now Isaac... So you might have already paid a great price and think, that's it, right, God? That's We're done. And God looks at Chris and says, no, Chris, I want that too. What do you have of any worth to give God today? Are you going to do like Abraham and Absolutely trust God. Listen, although you don't have any understanding, would you still trust God? God goes deep into Rob's life. Rob has no understanding. He's shocked by what he feels God is saying. And all the, yeah, but how could we, can't be, I couldn't. Do you have enough, even though you have no understanding? To give it to God.
I know that you probably have one of the two things I'm going to lay on the altar. And I'm, I would think Bruce and the rest of you have already thought this on your own, that you can lay your life on the altar. That's a given. Remember when they were stricken with grief, they would rip their garments. They'd rip their garments in grief. But then God said, no, no, I want you to rend your heart. Rip your heart. See, God always seems to take it beyond what you're thinking or what you're thinking he might be asking. Are you ready for it, Josh? I do have a song, and it's not to take the place of Tim. But I don't want these guys to miss out on this opportunity. I don't want Jim and Audrey have to think, okay, that song. No, I want the Spirit of God to be able to deal with them, work on them. And so I found this song, and it's, Unbelievably called Alabaster Jar. I don't think I've ever played it here, but I had Josh work on it all week to give you the words on one screen and the song on the next. (sighs) What I don't want is just you singing, though. I want you coming to God. I want you bringing that alabaster jar, and I think it even says in the song of of little worth. I want you to stand before Almighty. If you desire to trust God, even though you have no understanding, then you just present yourself to God here at the altar. You just come. But remember, God's watching. It's all I have the worth. Spill your heart.